You can be seated this morning. It's good to see all of you guys. And so uh, we've been talking about God's arrows. And so God put a subject title on my heart called Arrows of Deliverance. Arrows of Deliverance. Uh, you're called to be a weapon in God's hands like Jojo alluded to earlier. Uh, we're called to be impactful and useful. I want to start in Psalms 105 verse 8. And as they put it on the screen, I'll read it to you myself. Psalms 105 verse 8, and the word of God reads like this. He's remembered his covenant forever. The word which he commanded, and this is where I want to focus, to a thousand generations. And I came to remind all of you today that God is still blessing his children from generation to generation to generation. That the kingdom of God, according to David, is an everlasting kingdom from generation, from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, to the grandson, he's even saying. He saved you. And when he saved you, he had more than just you in mind. He wasn't just thinking about you. The moment God had his eyes on you and saved you, he was thinking about your children. He was thinking about the drug addict that's still lost in the street. He's thinking generationally. The man and woman that hadn't even walked through the front doors. God's plan is bigger than me and you. And when he sees you, he doesn't just see you. Look how powerful it is. Look how powerful this concept is. The thought that when God reached down and saved you, he's not just stuck on you. He's thinking multi-generational. That's why in Psalms 105.8, it says to a thousand generations. To a thousand generations. God said, when I find someone who will commit to me and walk in obedience to my word, word I will keep my blessing on that man, on that woman, on their children for generations to come. Psalms 127.4 says this, and as they put it on the screen, check this out. I just want to transition quickly. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the, ch the children of one's youth. Let me say it this way. If you've got kids in here, God doesn't see your kids the way that we see our kids. He doesn't see our spiritual children. If you're a leader, a pastor, spiritual mother, he doesn't see the men and women that he's placed in your hands just as flesh and blood. Your children is just cute and cuddly. He just doesn't see them as a part of this human experience we call life. He doesn't see them that way. When God looks at your disciples, our men, our women, our children, he sees weapons. He sees arrows of deliverance in his hands. He doesn't look at them as we do. They're not just here to have a good time. They're not just here to, to take up space or to say we've got numbers. They're not just here to be entertained and wear cool clothes. They're not just here to go to school or to go to work. They're not just here to get married and have more babies. You've got to get this concept. God has a purpose for every man and woman in this place today. He even says, the children that I give to the righteous, spiritually and physically, they are weapons, arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. You may, let me tell you something. You may see them one way. We may have our mind fixed one way as needing to help the lost or, 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 or lead somebody to the Lord. But God is going to use them to defeat the enemy. He's going to use them as an arrow of deliverance. They are his choice weapon of war. And it's a powerful concept that he gives us here. In verse 5 of Psalms 127, he says, How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. How blessed is the man 
parents, mom, dad, grandparents, pastors and leaders, God's saying, you are the bow. You're the bow. You decide the direction your spiritual children, your children are going to go. It's up to you to aim them at the target. You pick the target. The arrow doesn't get to choose where it's going to go. The leader gets to decide where his ministry is going. The father, the mother decides where their children are going or where they're not going. As a matter of fact, the arrow will only be as strong and accurate as the one holding the bow. We need to set the course for the direction of our family. We choose to set the course of the direction of our ministries. We choose to set the direction and course of our churches. Because right or wrong, where you sit today, you are impacting other people. You are having influence. The children are the arrows. Your disciples are the arrows. The men and women in your life are the arrows. But you are the bow. The arrow will only go in the direction the pastor, the leader, the mother and father aim it. This is why so many of us have struggled in life. Let me just back up a second. Because if a family for generation and generation has been turned in the wrong direction, turned to the world, turned towards sin, what chance does that arrow really have in life? And many of us come from that background. In many cases, it's because of the bow of that family. It's been pointed in the wrong direction for generations. You can even say it's been cursed and can't go the right way. But how many of you know, but by grace. The grace of Jesus Christ can break the curse. And it's the responsibility of the leaders, the parents. And let me tell you something today. It's your responsibility to get pointed in the right direction. And ministerially, let me go forward, and ministerially, anybody can hang around the church or be in the home long enough to get some influence. In reality, in reality, the reality is that you're going to project men and women into eternity. One way or another, our lives, our influence are going to point people's destiny into eternity. Toward heaven, toward hell. And it's all by our lifestyle. Dad, mom, pastor, leader, you're determining the direction the arrows go. So as they put on the screen, I got a question for you. Are you aiming your arrows in the right direction? Are you actually aiming your arrows in the right direction? And I'm glad they played a trick on me and moved the screens in front this morning. So I'm just taking it by faith. Zach's got it together back there. Because I'm a hard master, Zach. Like JoJo preached, right? That's funny. Or by your example, check this out. Are you projecting your arrows? Are you aiming in the right direction? Am I aiming in the right direction? Or by your example, are they be being projected towards alcohol, towards laziness, towards drugs, towards immorality, depression, religion, self, sin? What direction are we really pointing these people that God has placed in our trust? And we all have something because of our past generations. Many of us can say, well, my granddad did it. My dad did it. Now I do it. Or the leaders do it, so why can't I do it? I see them do it. That's just the way I was taught. And, 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 and they might even, you might even try to break out of those patterns. People try to break out of those patterns and struggle. 
But here's the deal. All of us have been broken at some time. And I almost named this message Broken Arrows. Because too many of us have been broken. And all of us typically have been broken before we've even been placed in the quiver. Before we even came to Christ. Before we even came to God. Before we've ever even been used by God, we were broken. Before they're out of the quiver. Before they're even used. Broken in self-esteem. Broken in self-worth and value. No self-confidence. And I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I couldn't even look other people in the eyes because of the shame I had on my life. We've been broken before God could even use us. Hurt. Damaged. And as a matter of fact, that's how many of us came to the Lord. All broken and in pieces. Raised thinking, I'll never soar. I'll never amount to anything. Brought up here and you're stupid. You'll never do anything good. You're nothing. You're just like your mama. You're just like your daddy. You'll never amount to anything. Broken in the quiver. And most of us walk through the doors without a fighting chance. That's the way we think. That I'll never get a fair shot. Oh, he did it for them. God did it for them, but it'll never happen for me. And I was thinking about what Zach was sharing yesterday and other pastors that piggybacked on it. But it doesn't end when you're in the home. It doesn't end when you get sent out or open a ministry or get used. How many of you know the disciples even struggle with that? Pastors still struggle with that. Why is that ministry growing and I'm not growing? Why does that church get full and I can barely, man, I'm preaching to empty seats every Sunday. Why? Look what I've been through. Look what I've had to go through. Look at the experiences I've had. Why does that happen? Let me tell you, it doesn't end just because you get a ministry. And let me tell you something, when we focus on ourselves and what we've been through, you know what we're doing? We're really not building ourselves up. We're really saying what God did for them, he's not going to do for me. And then it goes even further. The disciples even said this, well, can I, who can I sit at your left hand? Can I sit at your right hand? We've left everything to follow you. What do we get? What do we get? And when we say, look what I've gone through, you know what we're really saying? Look what that other ministry hadn't had to go through. You're, we're judging. We're being critical. This goes back to the fellowship and the love and the connection. You are never going to be an arrow of deliverance as long as you don't be used as the bow to help deliver somebody else. We look at each other and compare ourselves. Compare ourselves. I'll never get a fair shot. You know why? You know why we feel like that? Because we know a broken arrow won't be used. It'll never hit its target. Won't even be considered. Because of my background, because of my past, because of my shortcomings. They can't believe they'll ever shoot high or soar or reach their potential. Broken arrows that stay in the quiver. But all of us here today, especially myself, all of us that serve or lead, I don't care if you just walked in the door, I don't care if you still smell like smoke. We need to pray this prayer. God, don't let me break arrows that you've given me while they're still in the quiver. Don't let me hurt the men and women's self-esteem while they're in the home. Don't let me talk down to, to the noob guy that just came here or the guy that's a, that sits beside me in class. Don't let me be the reason that somebody else has an excuse not to do something for you, God. I don't want to break anybody. Don't, don't let me break them while they're in the home. Don't let me break people in my family. Don't let me break them with my words and my immaturity and ugly attitude. 
Because we never in moments of frustration want to break God's arrows of deliverance. We should all be making sharp, effective, powerful arrows and while they're in the quiver. We must pray constantly for our children, the men and the women, for each other, for each other, for the other ministries that are here. Do you consider what's going on? We could get so caught up in our own little self that we never consider the battle that's going on in other cities and other ministries. We can be so, I can be so selfish. We must not just be content. Let me tell you something, guys. We must pray for each other. It's our job to recognize the plan, the purpose, and vision that God has on everybody else's life. It's not enough for me just to catch vision for me. I need to see the vision God has on other ministries. How many of you know we're not in the, the victory kingdom or living word kingdom? We're in God's kingdom. And we should be building the church for Jesus Christ. Not so caught up in our own selves. And, and I'm preaching to myself. And let me go further. We are the bows as parents, as leaders. But let me ask you, where are your arrows? We're the bows, but where are your arrows? We must not just be content with the older generation, a bunch of bows in your church, in my ministry. Can't be satisfied with that. Where are the arrows? We got to have, and I don't know how you think, but if I'm sick or struggling, and you can ask the men in my home, I go to the newest guy in the home and ask him to pray for me. You know why? I don't need some dusty old... I need somebody that God's saying, when you pray, I'm going to show you I'm real. And instead of them praying for ice cream and pizza, pray for me to get healing, man. Because he'll bring pizza, he'll bring ice cream, but watch him move in my life. Watch him move in your life. And I'm going to teach you a trick. Go to somebody that God is still in their heart and get close to them because I promise you it's contagious. It'll jump on top of you too. Where are the arrows? We're too busy looking for bows and we don't have any arrows. Can't be content just having bows. Bunch of tired old generation in our church and ministry. I've seen too many ministries with leaders and no men. Leaders with empty quivers. And I'm not judging. I'm, I'm talking about other ministries in Jesus' name. <laughs> I wouldn't say that to their face. I'll talk about them while they're not here. That's what good Christians do, right? <laughs> Where are the arrows? We got to reproduce men and women who will carry the torch. They're going to put this on the screen, but check out this little quote. Success is not success unless there's a successor. How far are you going to go by yourself? How far are you really going to be able to take this? The last step in discipleship, as JoJo alluded to, is replacing yourself, filling your quiver. We must have the next generation. We need to get unsatisfied, discontent, and upset about not having them. I just want to see if anybody's radical about getting some fresh arrows today. We'll never know victory in our homes or churches or in our nation until there's an old faithful generation with bows and then raise up a new young generation of arrows that are willing to defeat the enemy at the gate, the gates of addiction, the gates of abuse, the gates of sin, the gates of our nation. A bow is no good without an arrow, and an arrow is no good without a bow. 
It's the older and the younger. It's the men that just got here, the women that just got here, and those old faithful bows that have stayed and, and endured. It has to work together. It's when the older and younger come together. What is God doing? He's raising up an army of families and ministries who are supposed to be armies that terrorize the devil. When the devil looks at me, I'm just going to be honest, this is to the glory of God. He doesn't just see me as a bow or, or these other pastors and, and ministry leaders as bows. You know what he sees? He sees a quiver full of sharp, deadly, dangerous arrows. When he sees ministry, you know what he sees? And I say this to the glory of God. He doesn't just see leaders. He sees men and women that are hungry for God. He sees hundreds and hundreds of sharp, deadly arrows, arrows of deliverance. That's how he sees us. We are a great danger to the enemy's soul, or to, the, to, the, to the soul of our enemy at the gate. Thus, we have to battle. Many of us want to be used, but we don't want to fight. And, and I learned something a long time ago. Half, half a winner in the fights be willing to throw a punch. You're going to lose every fight you don't swing in. And, and today is the day that we stand up and say, enough is enough, God. You can use my life. Today is the day, God, I will fight back. You picked the wrong one, devil, when you picked me. That's why the enemy wants to break some of these arrows. He doesn't want you to be effective. He wants to break some of us. While you're still in the quiver, he would love for you never to see the light of battle. He wants you broken and devastated, never reaching your potential. But I'm glad to tell you that we serve a God that will use arrows in a way that will astonish us. Arrows of deliverance. Can I go a little further? Check this out. Oh, a friend of mine was sh shared an article with me, and I'm going to piggyback off of what he told me. Archery has been around for thousands of years, six, 7,000 years, if you, if you research it. From biblical times to the Mongols of Genghis Khan's time to the Native Americans here in, in America, the Indians. And they all used one type of, of, of arrowhead. They would use stone arrowheads, flint, obsidian, jasper, and they would make it sharp. Stone was always used for the arrowhead. It's only been in modern times, less than 100 years, that they actually started using modern metal-tipped arrows. And recently there was an article written that was shared with me, and the, and the question was in this article, how do arrowheads match up against modern steel arrowheads? How does the old match up against new? So there's an archer named Billy Berger, and he put it to the test. He took both modern arrows and, and then these ancient stone-tipped arrows that were actually made, and, and I'm not a Texas brisket, I can tell you that, but when I am, <laughs> it's interesting to see how other people think of us, right? That's crazy. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. But they took... They didn't take flint from another state. They took flint from right here in Texas to make these arrowheads. I, I just remember the verse where the Bible says Jesus set his face like flint to the cross. And, and they took these flint stones and they made these arrowheads. And uh, the article states the results were surprising. It blew this guy's mind. Both arrows were deadly. Don't get me wrong. They were shooting deer with them and dropping them. But the steel tip, these modern 
methods, they would wear down and become noticeably worn and less effective the more they were used. Y'all aren't getting it. I'm going to go a little further. The ancient stone arrowhead sustained no damage. The more they used it, and, and what they did is they, through the repeated use, they actually became a better arrow the more it was used. It sustained its original success and effectiveness. Okay, this is the message I want to impart quickly to the parents and the leaders, everyone here. If your children are arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior, we cannot be lazy, complacent, whimsical, or lackadaisical. Let me say it this way. We have to refuse to change the standard that God has given us. This speaks to all of us about never removing ancient boundary stones that have been placed before us. Proverbs 22 talks about it. You're looking at me like I don't know what I'm saying. Now let me tell you what the Bible says. Proverbs 22 says this, and I like, I don't know what version he's putting up there, but look what this says. Don't cheat your neighbor by removing ancient boundaries. Don't cheat the children of God that are walking through our front doors by changing the standard, removing boundary markers that have been set up by previous generations. Be careful not to cheat your arrows. It's seductive. Let me tell you, it's very seductive to try something new. To try something fast. The bigger and better new ministry strategies. And I was talking with Jojo yesterday, and he said, man, in Chicago. And they got a lot of uh, ministries there, but everybody has rights in Chicago, right? Like it's a real liberal state, Illinois. They even told us, I was there and they had the food bank come. And if you ever want to do ministry, let me tell you, your largest expense, if you have men and women, a lot of men and women, Lord willing, you will, is food. It's food. It's feeding people. It costs a lot of money to feed people. And JoJo was talking about the cost of, of making a disciple. And it's going to cost you energy. It is. It's going to cost you your energy. It's going to cost you time. Time you want to take a nap. Time you want to watch the game. Time you want to hang out with your family. It's going to cost you that. It's going to cost you energy and time. But let me tell you the third thing. It's going to cost you some money. Your money. And food is one of the most expensive things. And so we always encourage people, you know, connect with, with food banks, whoever you can, because food, man, it can limit you. And, 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 and so the, <laughs> the people came from the food bank in Chicago, and they were there. And I'm just a slow southern Texan, right? And I'm listening to this lady. She's sharp as a whip and from, the, from up north and educated. And she's saying, well, the USDA, the, the, the Department of Agriculture, gives us this food. And because it's from the government, you can't make anybody pray over the food when you serve them. I was like, what? And I just, before I realized what I was saying, it was coming out of my mouth. I said, well, I'm from Texas, and in my house, you're going to live by my rules. I can tell you that much. And, and that's the truth. And so JoJo was saying, and so they have this mindset. A lot of people, he's dealing with this mindset. And there's so many programs, this program mentality of, if I don't like it here, I'll just go somewhere else. As a matter of fact, if they call on you, Somebody in your home, right, Jojo? They call the food bank on you. They can come shut you down because you made them pray before they ate. And like I was raised, if you don't pray, you're not eating. That's how I was raised in the home. 
that doesn't make any sense. And so JoJo said there's this tendency, this pull to compromise. No, this is real. He said there's this tendency, this, comp, this, this pull, this temptation. It's seductive because I, he's trying to build a home, trying to build a ministry, and God's doing it in Jesus' name. But I don't want to run people off, and I don't want to be too hard. I don't want to, you know, I, I, I just want to, I want the ministry to grow. Let me tell you something. What we are doing is intense. It is intense. This requires all your energy, all your heart and soul. You cannot compromise with the standard of Jesus Christ. You can't depend on what other ministries are doing to raise up your men and women. You can't. Okay, now I'm going to bring it a little closer home. It was fun when it was JoJo. Let's see how you like this one. How about this? Well, we got a lot of bills. We got to raise money. We got to go to the streets. We got a conference. We got, and I'm all for fundraising. Let me tell you, I'm in for fundraising because I believe the men and women should have skin in the game. They should, and it does develop character. It's not about raising character. It's about ra or raising money. It's about raising the men and women's character and standard that when they're told no, they don't quit. And I know what it feels like to have a shirt on in all Spanish and a white guy and other white people saying, what's wrong with you hanging out with all these Mexicans? I know how that feels, so I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm telling you something. You, as a leader, you can get into a mindset of, well, we got to raise money, so we'll just pray today, then everybody can go out. Or we'll cut class down a little bit. Or a matter of fact, we'll just have class three days a week, and the other four days a week, we'll go to the streets. I told you it wasn't going to be fun. Look at y'all. You ought to see y'all's face right now. You know what's happening? You're putting metal tips where an ancient boundary stone should be. And it'll work. It'll pierce. And it can be effective for a season. But over time, as the standard lowers, it's going to cost you more than you thought you gained. And I'm not saying this judging. I'm saying this because I've experienced it. I'm not judging anybody here. By far, I'm not judging anybody here. You can look in my pockets in my car. I've got no stones to throw. But I'm telling you, if you cut cost, you'll cut what's produced. And I'm not talking about cutting costs like saving money. I'm talking about the time, effort, and energy and spirituality we impart into the men and women. We can't cut corners. We can't. Let me go a little further. Jeremiah 6, 16. This is the word of the Lord that he gave to me. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look. Ask for the ancient path where the way is good and walk in that and find rest for your soul. But look what they said. And they said what? We're not going to be able to do it. You don't understand. I got bills. You don't understand. You don't understand. I, I got to keep men. I can't leave a caregiver with the guy upstairs sick. We'll just put a, a, a tape on and let that minister to him because I got to have seven guys in the streets. You don't understand. Uh, yeah, I know I wasn't taught that way. I know that, but that's, that, that's the ancient path. Let me tell you something. We owe it to the children, to the men and the women to tell them the truth. To show them the ancient path. 
There is, listen, drug addicts, ex-drug addicts and alcoholics are always looking for a shortcut. In Christ, there is no shortcut. We must keep the standard. Because if we don't, we'll raise up a generation that's compromised. And you might not think it's a bad thing, and, I, and I've been... Um, disillusioned about this a little bit. Well, it's not that bad. It's, this, that. it's not that bad for you, but what about for your kids? What kind of legacy are you leaving? What kind of legacy am I leaving? And just like these modern arrowheads, they'll break under the everyday pressure of life. They'll dull out under the everyday pressure of ministry. They'll become weak, worn, and ineffective. Now, I'm all for being creative and innovative. But we can never lower the standard. Not at the cost of lowering the standard. The methods can change, but the message always has to stay the same. Straighten up, sit up, go to prayer. No, 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 that's wrong. Repent. No, no, no. We're going to be in class. Well, they say lunch is ready. Well, lunch can wait. But we got to get back for prayer. Yeah, and you got to finish what you got. That's what men do. They finish what they start. And, and you stepped in the door of a men's home. We don't know how to make anything else but men and men of God in this place. And we're not going to lower the standard. We're making arrows of deliverance. Don't get mad at me because at 40 years old you're having to become a man. This is how you're going to reach your family, by the way. This is how you're going to reach the lost. This is how you're going to reach the men and women God has entrusted to you. This is how you're going to get them to heaven. You don't do it passively. Heaven suffers violence and a violent take it by force. Sometimes you got to keep hammering it home. You got to keep pounding that nail. There was a guy in the home when I first got there named Roundtree. And when I came in the home, I literally was the minority. There was me and one guy named Roger. And we were the only white guys. You ever opened a crayon box and seen the one white crayon? That was me. Seriously. And this guy, Roundtree, and he didn't even look like he was all the way wrapped tight. You know what I mean? And he would say this, God's going to use you, white boy. Don't give up. God's going to use you. God's got a plan for you. And he kept encouraging and he kept blessing and he kept calling things that were not as if they were. And I don't care if some of you sit in here like a sour apple this morning, mad, arms folded, rolling your eyes. It doesn't bother me because while I'm preaching, it's getting on you and I know it's getting on you. It's getting in you. It's dealing with you. You can't get away. You can run if you want to. Smack your lips. And I want to encourage all of you. It's working even when it doesn't look like it's working. That's why we got to do it with passion and not lower the standard. That's why God said they're arrows of deliverance. Nobody's even told you who you are, man. Look at Genesis 22, 17. That in blessing I will bless you. And in multiplying I'll multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens. 
and the sand which is upon the seashore. And this is the powerful part. And your seed, your children, your disciples, your ministry's fruit will possess the gate of his enemies. Will possess the gate of his enemies. The reason we're building for generations is because what we're doing is bigger than me. It's bigger than you. You, there's no way me or you can defeat the enemy at his own gates by ourselves. There's no way. You were never meant to do ministry alone. A man that's all wrapped up in himself makes a very small package. God says he's going to give you some sons. He's going to give us some sons and daughters. And they will defeat the enemy at the gate. They will be used as arrows of deliverance. Let me tell you, there's kids in our church. There's kids in your church, teenagers in your ministry right now, and God's going to use their lives. They're going to deal with the enemy at his gate. Teenagers are going to deal with the enemy at the gate. New believers, men and women in this room that are dealing with the enemy. At, let me tell you something. There's men and women that haven't even walked into our ministries that God's going to use to defeat the enemy at the gate. Because we have a real enemy that wants to stop us. Your rallies, your outreaches, new ministries, churches, conferences. And God says if that boat will do what it's created to do, and the arrows of deliverance will do what they were created to do, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Now, I just want to give some, some gratitude to the men of God that have spoken into my life, that held the bow of, of my life. That when I was pointed in the wrong direction, they aimed me back at the target. When I was lost, when I've drifted, when I've gotten distracted, they used love, authority, supervision, and discipline to reach out, to point me in the right place. Now, I want to show you something quickly. I'm getting close to closing. 1 Kings 19, 15 through 17. I'll read it as they put it on the screen for time's sake. The Lord said to him, I just want you to listen to this and then we're going to dissect it quickly. The Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you've arrived, you shall anoint Hazael. Look, there's one anointing right there. King over Aram. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel. Two anointings. And Elisha, the son of Saphat, you shall anoint him as prophet in your place. And it shall come about. Check this out. This is why we need generation after generation. If one escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will put him to death. And if one escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will put him to death. Three anointings, three generations. Every generation in this room is going to take more ground for Jesus Christ. And maybe your family, maybe you were pointed in the wrong direction, pointed towards sin, broken homes, poverty, failure, divorce. But God says one drop of blood and that failure will be turned into victory. Now, I just want to teach you something before I close and I want you to catch this. Every battle should not be fought on the level of the senior pastor or leadership. I just want to minister to everybody just quickly. I say this to the glory of God, but in in the ministry God's blessed me with, I don't have to fight every battle. I've got spiritual sons and daughters that know how to win the battle at the gate before it ever gets to me. 
And I say this to the glory of God, but there's, there's some battles that the sons and daughters in this room today, they ought to stop before they ever get to your pastor, to his wife, to the leaders in your ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Are you standing at the gate? An arrow of deliverance. You're in ministry. The only hope for this world is you. You're God's plan A, and God doesn't have a plan B. You're it. If all our churches and ministries have as older generations and no arrows, all bows, no arrows, the enemy's going to run us over. It's on you. It's on you. We're not created. But I just want to say this. I know there's a generation of men and women here today willing to rise up, willing to shout no, willing to be different in order to make a difference, willing to be in the middle of darkness and pierce it through with light. You're called to be a light bearer. That's your purpose. We're not created to party and get high and have sex outside of marriage. You're created to be an arrow in the hands of God, to feed darkness with light. You're an arrow in the hand of a mighty warrior. And so as we get ready to conclude today, maybe you're here and you're one of these broken arrows. Maybe you've been broken. You've never, be, you, you've never been used by God and you don't see it happening. God will restore the years the enemy has stolen from you. Let me just speak to the broken arrows for a second. Those who had a father that deserted them. Those who never knew their father. Those who were abused or raised in a home with an alcoholic and a drug addict. Neglected. And it started from a young age. You'll never be nothing. You'll never soar. You'll never hit the target. You know who the true mighty warrior is? It's God. You know who his sons and daughters are? The arrows are? It's us. He says, if you give me your life. How many know if you stand up for God, God will stand up for you. He wants to straighten you out and fix your brokenness this morning. He wants to make you a lethal weapon against the enemy. That's why you're here. I challenge you, stand to your feet. If you want God to use you, your family, and your ministry. Let me just transition. If you're here and deep in your heart, you know you haven't been pointing your sons, your daughters, your disciples in the right direction. If you've been leading people in the wrong direction. And maybe it's gone on for years. It can change right now. You're responsible for them. The Bible says you are a watchman over their soul who must give an account. Make that change. Don't let your quiver remain empty any longer. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. His blood will overcome your own blood. You can leave here going in the right direction. Go home sharp, polished, dangerous for Christ. I know what some of you are thinking right now. That's good what you're saying, preacher. But I'm just in the home. I'm nobody. That's good for you. That don't work for me, bro. No. God's calling you right now to be an arrow of deliverance. You got to believe it. Take it by faith. You can make a difference. Today is your day to start taking possession of the gate of your enemy. No matter what that is. I want to invite you today, if you've been a bow pointed in the wrong direction, if you've been an ineffective arrow in the hands of your leadership in God, I'm going to ask that you open your heart and you take that long, lonely walk. That walk. Listen, nobody's thinking about what's going on in your life. They're considering what's going on in their life. 
Nobody's looking at you. Nobody's concerned or considering what's happening with you. But God is. Don't let pride stop you from letting God sharpen you this morning. Don't let that emptiness in your quiver go on a day, a second longer. So as you come up front, open your hearts.